welcome once again to the Brain Candy Podcast. I'm Sarah Rice. Here with me, as per usual, is my bestie, Susie Meister. Hello, friends. How you doing, Sus? Real good, Sarah. Nice to see you again. Oh, you too. <laughs> I'm real good. I'm excited about our episode. I know I'm that. I'm real excited about our episode. Mm-hmm. It's a lot to discuss. Tell the kids what we're talking about today, Susie. This is episode 92, mm-hmm. and we are talking about Scientology. Oh, yes. This is kind of like a, I don't want to call it a hot topic right now, but I feel like we're starting to see a lot of documentaries about it. We're starting to see a lot of television shows about it. It's really, I don't know, maybe coming into the light as what it really is, or they're they're exposing it for what it really is, maybe, is the well, word. Um, I think that everyone's always known that there was weirdness, mm-hmm. right? And that there were secrets and whatever. But the problem was that people that left wouldn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so even like religious scholars were kind of not clear on a lot of what was going on or even what they believed necessarily. Because oh, they're so secretive. Point. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Where other religions, it's very easy to find the... Um, like, like doctrine the theology, and the yeah. theology mm-hmm. behind it and everything. And the entire structure of this is you can't know that information until you've reached whatever level. Yeah. So, so that's kind of an indication that maybe it's, you know, <laughs> that's a red flag. A few skeletons in the closet, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. So I think people now that, well, Going Clear came out like last year yes, on HBO. So good. And then the Leah Remini show this year. And so people are like, Finally getting confirmation of like what is going on. Have you ever met a regular person who was in Scientology? Mm-mm. Mean either. Never. That is the biggest thing is I, I'm watching this and uh, the, the Leah Remini show, I was watching it and they go to, uh, what's the Cape? What is the big place in Florida where oh, Clearwater, yeah. I think mm-hmm. it is Clearwater, Clearwater. Florida, yeah. where they have, uh, there's a big Scientology community. They're all walking around in freaking vests. What's the deal with the Scientologists in the vests? Right. I don't know. Why do you have a weird uniform? Yeah. And well, they, they, they say they're in the Sea Org. Yeah. And that I get like the Navy. I mean, I don't get any of it, but like I can kind of understand they're the Navy. They look like they're, you know, it's their own That's version why, of like yeah. that. But the the ones who are back at home studying it, they're all wearing these weird ass vests. But I was thinking, where are all these Scientologists hiding? Because I don't. And then when I watched the show, there were a lot of people who were being interviewed about leaving the church. And it's even difficult to call it a church. Um, and how they said that they really didn't know what, to do afterwards, and I can imagine this is a lot of people who get rescued out of a cult or out of any kind of situation like that, where they've never been to school, and they all said they didn't know how to cook. Like, are there are they just living in Scientology communes, or what is the structure? No, see, so, well, there's the people in the Sea Org, which is the equivalent of like clergy or you know, like really involved uh-huh. people staff of a normal church. And then there's just someone who's a Scientologist like Leah Remini was yeah. where that was her belief system, but she wasn't like employed by them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that isn't always clear to people because 
the ones that are in the Sea Org, it's like they can't get out and they're living right. in, the, they give their babies into this nursery that where they're like raised together and they don't even raise their own kids. It's really sad, the whole f- detachment from the family yes. system. But that's not how it is for like an average member. Okay. Yeah. What is it like for an average person? Say I were, say I was not as strong or, you know, knowledgeable <laughs> as I am. And when they put me attached to that little machine and talked to me that one time, like they did. When you if, took your personality test. When I took test. my personality test. What if I would have said, yes, I would like the next level of this. I want to learn more. What's the next step? Well, they have a tiered system, as you mentioned, and they, it starts out pretty innocuous. You know, you get like some information that is really interesting and, um, oftentimes like inspiring, very positive, And it teaches you that you're in control of everything in your life. And so all the good things that happen to you are because of your mind and you have control over your mind. And anything bad from a paper cut to cancer or any divorce or anything is because of your own deficiencies mentally. And so it's too much stress for one person. When you, when, well, I mean, I talked to Mike Rindner, the guy that was featured in yeah. Leah's show. He used to be the spokesperson for Scientology. And I talked to him a lot about that because I study prosperity gospel, which has a, like a lighter version of that, which mm. is that, you know, like... You think good thoughts and you yeah. do good things and you have faith and you believe in God in, and it'll come back. Yeah. yeah. You reap what you sow. Um, and lots of traditions have like a, a milder version, but theirs is like crazy. And so if you're normal and you join as a member, then it just starts taking over your life in terms of money. They ask for money for each tier and it gets really expensive and also time like they re- require their members to do all this studying of L. Ron Hubbard's books, which there are thousands of. He wrote thousands of and books. They're like science fiction novels. Some of them, but a lot of them are also like manuals on how to live. And it's so, like, Mike gave this example in the interview you'll hear later. I think he said this in the interview where he said, if L. Ron Hubbard believed that you clean windows with vinegar and water, then you ha- everyone has to clean their vi- water with or their windows with vinegar and water. Uh-huh. So it's like it could be about really serious things, or it could be like this is how you sharpen a pencil, and then that's what you're expected to do. Well, just hearing that makes him sound even more like a cult leader because. That kind of narcissism where you think you have the right answer to do everything, like Mm -hmm. that whole, Mm -hmm. there is not more than one way to skin a cat. There is only my way and that's it and none of your other ways work. That's a dangerous thought. And, and so, you, it allows you for not to not have any of your own unique or, you know, we were talking the other day about uh, like, just how our brain can get filled with automatic thoughts that we don't even think, we don't even want in there. They just, you know, come up naturally because we are, are people who are trained to look at all the possibilities and say like, okay, well, what else could we clean our windows with? Maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. Maybe this will work. And we're people who have 
are hungry, you and me, and you know, probably most of our listeners are thirsty for more information. So we're out there like collecting on this new, if you're somebody who's only delivered a single solitary piece of information and that's it. And there's no questioning. And that that's training you to not have that original thought Mm -hmm. that's training you after years of that, you're never going to think twice about cleaning the glass table or cleaning anything or whatever you do. And then you, it's like, now you need them to tell you how to do everything because if this is how you clean a glass table, well, how the heck am I supposed to have a family and how, what kind of mother am I supposed to be? And I probably need instructions for all that too. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I can see how in a weak moment... Yeah. Well, I mean, the supposed intentions of the group and probably the average member are really nice. Yeah. Like, they want to make the world a better place and they want to bring peace and you know, end war and all of that stuff. No drugs. Yeah. And you can hear, um, well, that's one other thing. Mike Rinder was saying how like they are against psychology. So that you can't take like any antidepressants or anything because they believe it's something you can control with your mind, Yeah, but you can smoke because L Ron Hubbard was a big smoker. Like cigarettes. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, kind of of a strange can. Yeah. Well, I mean, all of it is. And anytime that, you know, now they have, when L. Ron Hubbard died, they have, uh, his name I always forget, Boo. David Miscavige. David Miscavige. Yeah. Uh, when somebody swoops in and just takes over and that with such gusto and in a way that just seemed... That guy is real weird. Real weird. Weirder than L. Ron. It, it's... It's one of those, you know, maybe I'd like to think maybe L. Ron Hubbard, and I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is just my own take on it. L. Ron Hubbard still probably had the idea that like, you know, I'm duping all these people. But I think this guy really believes like he's been. Okay. So you think L. Ron Hubbard was like, knew exactly what yeah, he's doing. I think but so. you think David Miscavige believes his own I think he's stick. he's so deep in it that I don't think he knows anything else. And then when I saw when I was watching the the TV show that documentary, docu-series, uh and David Miscavige's father had left the church and talks about what it was like what his son was like he had to call his own son, sir, because of the rankings. Mm-hmm. And that, that seems like the guy's just drunk off power and, and just in his own world. And mm-hmm. he's just been fed so much of this that, oh. Well, I'm really worried about his wife, Shelly. Isn't she missing? Uh-huh. Where is she? 
She's probably dead. I'm sorry, but she probably is. Well, supposedly, because Leah Remini filed a missing persons report with the LAPD, which is so great. So great. I love her, by the way. I love her. She's like, I know. Yeah. And so she files this. And then, allegedly, the police went to where David and Shelly live. And Shelly was there and said she was there on her own. And so, first of all, we don't know if the, you know, the police were truly not paid off and stuff like that. But let's say she was there, which is believable because like Mike Renner said, he lived in the hole, which is their punishment place for two years. I didn't even know that existed. Yeah. That is the most terrifying thing. Yeah. And you know, I keep referring to this interview, but you're going to love it because it's so interesting. (sighs) And he points out that the... The prison of Scientology is not the bars. Right. It's the the prison in your mind. Yeah. Yes. And he really believes that because I I believe it too. And that makes me sad for Shelly Miscavige because (gasps) she could be in a mind prison. Like she hasn't been seen in public for, Oh my God. Since like before Tom Cruise's wedding to Katie Holmes, who he's now divorced from. Oh my God. What? Eight years, nine years. I don't know. However long ago that was. That's terrifying. Yeah. Okay. Here's my question. Why aren't the authorities more involved in this? I feel like they're definitely pushing the law. There's got to be something that they're doing that's illegal. Well, it certainly feels like that. It's hard when you've been, when you got the status as a religious organization it's very hard to for the government to get involved, which is usually a very good thing. Uh-huh. But sometimes it's people's, like, it's the way they get out of being punished. And I heard that after watching the show that they, now, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. So they got a not-for-profit status. And so they can't bank any money. Right. They can't. So the profits that come in, I heard that they have to buy property with it and they have to, they can't just start filling their bank accounts because it's not for profit. They can't see the bank account money go up and up and up. They have to buy a building or buy whatever investment. So it's not like liquid or whatever the the term is. Yeah. But that's no problem. Church has been doing that for. And then they're using that to try to say that the church is growing because it's growing in square footage in in buildings, in buildings, but not in any new members. And these buildings are empty. Right. Yeah. That's creepy. And it's tax free. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's scary and sad, but, but it's not, it's small. You know, we don't know the numbers because they lie. They say there's millions. There's probably like 40 or 50,000 people. But, you know, that's a lot of people still mm. that are believers. And still a lot of celebrities. That doesn't surprise me at all. I, it, I don't know. It's shocking to me. And when I read the list, let me just read you a list for people who are listening who want uh, Erica Christensen, uh, David Campbell, Giovanni Ribisi, Ann Archer, Beck. Come on, Beck. 
Dougie Fresh, Bijou Phillips. Who else is on this list? John Travolta, we know that. Juliette Lewis, Jenna Elfman, Kelly Preston, Kirstie Alley, Isaac Hayes. I mean... Why do you... Th- so, like, does that make the tradition, like, more compelling to you? Because you're like, why are they... No, it makes me think that... Uh, if you were to catch any celebrity at the right time where they're feeling, it's this strange feeling of, of being disconnected from regular people, but like very popular, but really lonely, Mm -hmm. I guess. So kind of like if they, I bet if Scientology were to jump on Britney Spears during her old breakdown, they could have caught her. Mm-hmm. Like you catch the right person at the right time where they're already feeling alone in a crowd. I think I don't think that that's how they do it, though. How do you think? I think it's the opposite that like think about Tom Cruise because he's the most obvious example. Like his whole thing. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen an interview with him, everything he does is so intentional. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. like when he, he's very intense, like total eye contact all the time. Mm-hmm. He's like Mr. Like measured. And I don't know, to me, this is like the classic example of somebody who believes that the mind is into like how he didn't want Katie mm. Holmes to have any um, pain meds and all that during labor. And they believe in silence. So it's like a control thing. I and I, I think that side of there's it too. a lot of creative folks that desire like that focus and control that this organization provides through like quasi psychology mm-hmm. and um, like taking bits and pieces from self-help yeah. and religion and psychology and then making it one thing and and telling people that if they just get their mind together, they can have it all using these celebrities as examples of that. But this is the part that's frustrating to me is that's also a concept in about half of the self-help books in Barnes and Noble. Yeah. That's nothing new. Yeah. But then you get down to what the freaking heck they believe. Yeah. You wouldn't think they'd pull the ripcord at weird aliens. I would. I mean, John Travolta, you mean tell me like John Travolta's like. Yep, those aliens are definitely coming, or whatever it is that they, the weird people that in the <laughs> volcano, I don't even freaking know. Well, I mean, Leah in her book, Troublemaker, which you should all read. Yeah. It, um, she talks about how, you know, you don't really know all that. Maybe now you do because of the internet, but back when she, she was born, well, right. she's pretty was a much. very young convert yeah. because of her mom. And, you don't learn any of that bonker stuff until you're like way, way in. And then you kind of are like how most people are with every religion. You take the stuff you (laughs) like and you kind of ignore the stuff. that's a little bit odd or you can't really prove it. And come on, it's not just Scientology. Right. That is for dang sure. You're right. You know, and religion is naturally like, it's got weirdness built in. Yeah. It's, it's super true. natural. You're right. So you're absolutely right. But the stuff I, I do know, I know, but everyone are always like, but, but, uh, <laughs> but it feels so different. I mean, Jesus is a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, but I mean, I think the reason that this 
is so interesting to people and why it comes up a lot is because it seems like a lot of the people that are involved, what be they celebrities or successful people in, in other areas, like wouldn't put up with the things we hear that they put up with. Right. Whether it's like being abused by a higher up in the yeah. organization or having to get rid of family members who might be gay or things like that. So you, it's sort of baffling. Like, why do you put up with that? They're, they're anti-gay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, uh... you know, like they think of it as like a mind oh. issue. There's so many questions. I love how that's your problem with that. No, no, I know. I'm just like, uh, you know, in general, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. just having that. Wait, I think it's time for wine because, A, we have wine time today, and yeah. I have a story to tell oh you. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. That is kind of connected to okay, well, religion and cults. Some wine. I love it. Okay. Well, I got a good one for you today. Okay. Let's yeah, hear this it. This one's from Daniel Cohn Wine Company. Wait, wait, let me get this good sound. Okay. Did oh, you hear it? Oh, yeah, that was good. Okay, good. So we're popping Bellicosa... Cabernet Sauvignon Blanc. I love Cabernet. Me too. I've heard you bragging about this wine many this times. This is a great wine. This Tell is, me what you, you know, love about it. You know what I think this wine is perfect for? A good hostess gift. Okay. I think it's great. You know, it's when impressive. everybody's looking, it looks beautiful yeah. and it tastes fantastic. And, you know, like most of the wines we pick on here, they go with pretty much everything. Mm. And Bellicosa is all about, I mean, Smells the word delicious. means beautiful thing. So it's all about. Just sharing moments and sharing memories. Yummy. And they're, yeah, right? Yeah, Smooth, that's really velvety, nice. mm-hmm. good plum flavors, and it's aged in French oak, so it's like extra fancy. Oh my God, yeah, from I love Sonoma. it. Mm. And from what I've read on this wine, for the price point, it's comparable to wines that are like the top of the line that are coming out of Sonoma County. Oh, I love and that. And this one will not break your, ba- break your bank. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's beautiful and it tastes great. It's so wonderful. cheers to Daniel Cohn Wine Company. Cheers. Bella Cosa. Yeah, clink, clink. Love it. Mm. Whenever I put Link into bed, we close yes. the books and then we say, and now we sip. And I sip my wine and he sips his water <laughs> and we go, ah, delicious together. <laughs> oh. Every night. That's the kid. Oh, I hope that someday you call him when he's in college and you guys do that together, but he won't be drinking water I hope so anymore. too. Yeah. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Okay, so this is the craziest story. Yes. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Our listeners are going to love it, I think. So, you know that I am obviously obsessed with religion. Obby. Obviously, I'm also sort of obsessed with cults and fringe movements. Who isn't? <laughs> right. But I might be... A little you over are. the top. Yeah. And I mean, I always have been. I've always read books about, especially Jonestown, as you know, is my mm-hmm. app so fave. It's faves. And so I was recently working on a project. This story is bonkers. Okay. I was recently working on a project about Jonestown and uh-huh. I was like reading about it and I was thinking a lot about it. 
And I was writing something and I wrote down when it happened, which was November 28th or wait, no, sorry. November 18th, 1978. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I wasn't even born yet, but guess when I was born? When? Nine months to the day later. <gasps> oh my God. I just got chills all over my whole body. <laughs> like you were conceived the day the Jonestown massacre took place. So oh I go, my God. I can't, right. <laughs> I can't help. I seriously don't know how to feel right now. That makes so much sense Listen, for you. So I was like, I wonder if I was in utero. Cause you know, like I, I thought I wasn't born, but maybe I was in my mom's thing. Oh, right. So I was like, wait, that's like almost too perfect. So I put it into a reverse calculator oh. on, on like babycenter.com or wherever. Right. And I put in my birthday, August 10th, yeah. 1979. Yeah. And then it takes you back and it says on or about that exact day oh. is when you were conceived. My, I have chills all over my body. And I told Adam and I was Suze, like, what do you even think after you receive that information? Well, so I'm not one to like believe in all of that right. stuff. But I was just like, of course <laughs> I was a, a person who died in Jonestown and I came back to life and now oh my I'm God, obsessed what with if it. That's it. <laughs> Look at, I just became Buddhist in one episode. Well, for real, it was, it was sort of just like, mm -hmm. come on. Come on. And now there's nobody I know who's more obsessed with it than you are. We'll Nobody I know who knows more, just wants to know more, has seen all the documentaries, wants to interview all the family members. Why? Because you were there. And, oh my God. And it's fucking weird enough to put my birthday into a reverse conception. It gives you calculator. that same day. I mean, you know, one can't predict exactly the day that you were conceived because right. I don't even know if I was born on my due date or before or after, whatever. But still. But I know my but birthday. Still. And that was the day that it said. Oh, and I was like. Holy crap. What if I died in Jonestown? This is such a good what story. What do you think about that? I love it. <laughs> I think it's great. I mean... I, you know what? Of all the weird, thing, kooky things out there, reincarnation is one that I'm, I believe in, like, I'm more inclined to believe than others. Why? I don't know, because you just can't get rid of energy. Mm -hmm. And I do <clears throat> kind of believe that... In a lot of religions, there's the common thread of, of us being part of like a collective consciousness mm. in some way where they say in Christianity that God is in you or that, you know, I, I interpret that as like a collective consciousness kind of thing. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, we're all probably just, you know, it, it's the first time where I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty big coincidence. It is a pretty big. Oh, oh my God. I love that you got that thought. <laughs> it was just too weird. It's too weird. I mean, I can't, I, I keep thinking about it. No, it's that's, I'm so glad you saved the t this. I'm so glad you didn't tell me before. No, I told Sarah this over text. I'm like, I have a story. Good over text. As right. Good. I got the full visceral reaction. <laughs> Right, so well, I now mean, I want to do a, cal a calculator and yeah, wonder what the heck yours, was and doing. And then we'll find out what happened on that day in yeah. history. Okay, so oh, but I was two weeks late. All right, well, we're, hmm, exactly two weeks late. What do you want? What date do you want me to put in? Well, put in. Let me count back. Oh, I used. Okay, here it is. I used baby med. 
Dot this com. is so funny that you logged on to. I, I guarantee you didn't even do that when you were pregnant. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> it didn't do it. February, what? what the heck is your birthday? February 25th. It's creeping up, man. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then what year? Uh, 1986. Okay. So I would say probably around February 11th was my. Oh, yeah. February 11th was my due date. You want me to put that in? Yeah, do February 11th because that definitely was my due date. Okay. I remember that. And they were like, So you were you would be conceived right on May twenty first, nineteen eighty five. So let's find out what was happening. Oh, this is so exciting. People are gonna do this. Yeah, you should. You know, that brings up today I got here and Susie's husband was like, Hey, do you know what national day it is? And I was like, I don't even know <laughs> what you're saying right now. He was like, you know, like national day. But he said it with an adorable accent because he's Got a British accent. Yeah. Uh, and so we looked up and we all took bets on what ne- it was. Susie thought it was going to be like something like cancer. Adam said it was going to be some animal day. And it was turned out to be spaghetti day. National spaghetti day. National spaghetti. But also national trivia day today. So That's right. And so I'm the only trouble is I don't think anything big happened that day. Oh, Let me put good. in your real birthday. February 25th. Oh, and see what happens if you go backwards from that. Yeah. I think on my actual birthday, though, something grave happened. Something very bad. It was either like Hitler, the same day that Hitler started some war or that the Sputnik blew up. It's something oh, bad. But not that year. <laughs> no, no, not that, that, not that, um, you know, not that year. I see. It's like an anniversary of something horrible. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, it's not. Let's good, see what happened on this day. It's not historical perfect. events. Supreme Court strikes down a thing. <laughs> no. Supreme Court strikes down a thing. No, man. Nothing good. Nothing good. You're, we don't know. It's a mystery Boring where you are. Shit. <laughs> uh, you guys should try it. I'll put this in the newsletter. The link of where I'm using this, and if you sign up for the newsletter, which you can do on our website, thebraincandypodcast.com then you'll get all the links from all the documentaries and books and shenanigans we talk about on the show. So that's my scandalous story about cults and my birthday. I love it. That was such a good wine time. That really was. And this is good wine. Where can people buy this, Jim? You know where I got this? At Pavilions. So you can get it at your local wine shop. Just ask for Daniel Cohn wine. It's C-O-H-N. Yeah, C-O-H-N. And it's D-E-L-I-S-H. Delish. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were spelling Daniel because it's Daniel. And I was like, that's okay, right. I spell it, Sarah. I am not good at spelling. <laughs> All right. So, anyway, back to Scientology. Yes. Um, yeah. So, I asked Mike to come on the show because people keep asking me about the Leah Remini mm-hmm. series, which is. You know, I love because it's my cup of tea, and people seem to love it. It's getting great ratings. I watched all eight episodes in a row yesterday. Did you see my friend Mike? Yes. Yeah. And first of all, he's so smart. He's so great. And he's so nice. Yeah. And I'm really sad about what's happening with his family. I know. I know, because he has a son now with his current wife that's about Lincoln's age. Yes. And And I just, you know what? It does make me feel happy that a lot of these people who have left... Had made have made a real effort to start yeah. fresh, mm-hmm. and and they really do look like they have loving families, and I think that they really appreciate. Just from what I've seen, it feels like being in an organization that forced them to disconnect from 
that human relationship for so long, once they left, they're all so thirsty for that that they appreciate it and they value it so much. And I can just see the love between every single um, person and the, their significant other, family or whatever, after they've gotten out of Scientology. I just wonder, like, because it was obviously different for him with his first round of kids because they didn't oh. get raised by them exactly. They were in the communal nursery area. Yes. And so I don't know if that makes it easier or harder. Harder. That's what he said. That's what <clears throat> made me, like, almost brought me to tears when I was listening to him speak and how he said that when he had his son this time, he truly knew what it meant to be a father mm -hmm. and he to hold the baby and to be there with the child and to watch his wife go through all that. He didn't get to see any of that. Yeah. He got his kids just taken away from him. And there was, it was just focus on the church, focus on the church and how sad to where, where I see in, uh, which is why it just looks why, in my opinion, it's a cult because in other religions, those are the things that are valued. Mm -hmm. Family is the most important thing. Even in the Mormon religion, that's the most important. Mm -hmm. It's be with your family. Celebrate the love of the family. This is like the system. It's written about in the Bible all over the place, you know? Yeah. And it just seems to, to go out the window in cults because the leader and the church has to become more important than the individual and then a family. Mm-hmm. And that's hard to do without stealing that away from people. It's Ugh. strange to me. So, you know, kind of on the topic of Jonestown, because I did an interview recently with Jim Jones' son, Stephen, mm -hmm. who survived the tragedy, as we talked about before, because he was in an away ba basketball game right. and then came home to having his whole family and his whole <sighs> life dead. And I was talking to him about Jonestown and People's Temple and he said something that the Scientologists often say when they leave, which is like, it really wasn't a religion right. and that it's more of like a political or social um, organization. And it's such, that's so strange to me because the way that it's structured and the way people attend and whatever and give money and all of that is so, so exactly the same. You know, and you sit and you watch this guy talk and mm. not in Scientology as much, but in Jonestown for sure. Oh, I'm like, yeah. You know, he said that the agenda was mostly political. So oftentimes religion can be used as like a veil yeah. to hide something else. Oh, it has for centuries. Yeah. But like, it's strange that the members don't see it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know? well, that's where I, that's where I think that when I mentioned that the specific moment you capture the person matters. Yeah. And if they are, if they're thirsty and you give them water. Well, right. Well, and that's, Stephen it. Jones said that exact thing about his dad. He had a gift. He was a narcissist and he had a gift mm. for knowing what your issue was. There you go. And that he, whatever your thing was, he would provide it to you yep. or make you think he was going to. And I think that's what a lot of these narcissistic cult leaders, because they are saying, oh, I think I'm going to get, maybe I'm not going to get in trouble, but I think our future president kind of has the same where he's making the promises that the people want to hear, but then has no real intention on following through with a lot of those you know, oh yeah, we hate the gays. Eh, actually, you know, it's fine. They already mm -hmm. made a rule about that. It's fine. We don't need to worry about that. Mm -hmm. It's like 
just to rally enough to rally the troops. Yeah. And that is a I thought it was interesting also how Stephen said how part of what caused the undoing of the People's Temple is that his dad, Jim Jones, mm-hmm. had a almost like an addiction to attention and that as long as they were here in the States, there were always new people that he could get that from. But once it was just this um, finite group of people. Same people over and over. That thrill of impressing and getting Mm -hmm. someone to like you and whatever was gone. And it made him just like Mm -hmm. spiral into like paranoia and stuff. Yep. Isn't that fascinating? Yep. But, you know, it's just because I was there and. We know that now. Oh, that's great. Okay, so maybe you're not starting your own religion, but (laughs) maybe you do run a small business, or maybe you manage business, or maybe you have to deal with all of the hassles that come with human resources Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Well, I have a wonderful solution. Bamboo HR is designed to make life easier for business owners and those who manage human resources, and even the employees, and they do all of the HR stuff that you don't want to do. Right. Well, I, I was thinking, because it's like, are you sick of file cabinets, yes. messy whiteboards and spreadsheets? I'm like, yes, I am this over here. handles <laughs> all the stuff you need, job and salary history, vacation and sick days, benefits, training history, the whole package. And all you have to do is go to bamboohr.com, click the mic and enter the code CANDY to get a free 14-day trial. Hello. Hello. Free 14-day trial with right. just the code CANDY. Well, the thing that I love about them actually is that they... They have this idea that they want to set you free to do the work that you want to do instead of being bogged down in all the stuff nobody wants to do. <laughs> so yes. they have automated it for you. Hello. All Thank automated, you. all set up and accessible from the cloud. And just visit bamboohr.com, enter the code CANDY, and get your free 14-day trial. Free up some time to, I don't know, start a cult. Listen to more free <laughs> candy podcasts. It's, it's perfect for small or medium-sized businesses. And I know from the Brain Candy Crush, a lot of our listeners are business owners. So yeah. I think they'll love that. Any hoodles. Uh, okay, so let's talk to Mike Rinder. He is the former spokesperson for Scientology. This is so exciting. It I is. feel so lucky that we have him on here. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> and uh, he's wonderful, and he is going to answer my questions that many of you have asked about Scientology and what the deal is. So here he is. Let's welcome Mike Rinder. Mike, how are you feeling over there? Oh, uh, I'm feeling troublesome and controversial and and uh, <laughs> all sorts of other adjectives that probably I should use myself. <laughs> do you um, ever, like after you do something very public and then you get the backlash or the feedback or whatever, do you ever wish you hadn't done it? Nick, do you have regrets? No, I, I, I don't. No, I don't, Susie. I mean, particularly with this series, the feedback has been uh, like overwhelmingly positive and from people everywhere, people that never had any involvement with Scientology, people that knew nothing about it, who are reaching out to express their support and their outrage and their worry that nothing's being done about 
the abuses that are being exposed in the show. You know, where's the FBI? Where's the IRS? Uh, which is a great question. Um, no, I, I don't regret it for a second. It it sometimes feels a little overwhelming. I mean, I'm getting like hundreds of email and Facebook messages, and I try to respond to them because I feel like if people take the time to sit down and go out of their way to write something to me that I should have the courtesy to respond, but huh, it's, a, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of a task right at the minute, frankly, but yeah. that, that's just a reflection of the popularity of the show and how much, I guess, how much it speaks to people. Yeah, and I, I'm encouraged by... It seems like a lot of the focus has shifted. It used to be about Scientology, about the celebrities that were in uh, in the in the church, but now it feels like people are starting to get wise to it and realize there's so many more interesting components. Don't you think? Yes, I absolutely do, and it's something that Leah and I have talked about. Like we don't want to go into the tabloid TV. Well, let's talk about Tom Cruise and John Travolta. Or conversely, go into the, well, we just want to start making fun of Scientology's or Scientologist beliefs. Right. You know, Xenu and, uh, and all of that stuff. And there's plenty of room to make fun of it, but it just isn't really what we have any interest in. And I don't think that any rational, intelligent person should really care what someone else believes. The only thing that they should have concern about is what someone else does right whether the, whether their actions are harmful not whether their beliefs are weird because you know you can you can make fun of virtually anybody's beliefs if you set your mind to it and i do from, <laughs> i know you do i know that's kind of your job <laughs> it's true though <laughs> you, you PhD of religious philosophy or whatever whatever it is that you are. <laughs> we could do a thing where we make fun of literally any faith or philosophy or po politician or anything. We could do that. So it's sort of stupid. I know. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of stupid. It, I mean, it it's sort of it's sort of easy to get off into those weeds but and and people always want to know and they want to know about the those things and we've tried to cover it a bit in the show but we're really trying to get people to understand that why they should be concerned about Scientology has nothing to do with whether Scientologists believe in Xenu or not, or whether Tom Cruise or John Travolta is a Scientologist or not. The reason they should be concerned about Scientology is the abuse of children, the abuse of the elderly, the breaking up of families, the fraud and deception that is going on that is taking people's money from them. Those are the things that that you know, society at large should be interested in, that people should be interested in, that politicians and government agencies should be interested in because you don't want to have uh, people taking advantage of people in, 
in any way. You you don't want you don't want the Bernie Madoffs of the world ripping off the multimillionaires, and you don't want the the people selling selling uh, siding to to retired people and taking their social security funds for you know, repairing their house roof that they never actually repair, just stealing their money. None of those things do you want. You don't want, you know, uh, sex abusers running kindergartens. These are things that society takes care of policing. And the difficulty with Scientology is because it has gotten itself into the position where it is recognized by the IRS as a, a religious charitable tax-exempt organization, it is also afforded the the protections of the First Amendment, and that makes it very difficult. I will say, I you know, someone very, very smart said to me the other day, the problem with a lot of the law that has been developed in the United States surrounding the First, First Amendment protections is that that law protects religions and protects the institutions to the detriment of individuals. Right. And in fact, the Bill, the bill of Rights, as you know, Susie, was intended to protect the individual from oppressive government or oppressive religious persecution. Right. And oddly, because of how just how things kind of go. I mean, the people that end up litigating big cases that go to the U.S. Supreme Court are the ones with money. And the ones with money are invariably the, the organizations, not the little guys. And the organizations in, in the context of First Amendment protections are extremely well protected at this point. Right. The law is very, very strong on that side of things and very, very limited with respect to the protection of the individual vis-a-vis -vis religious belief and practice. And so that makes that makes it a problem when when you're dealing with something like Scientology. But it's not exclusive to Scientology. I mean Prosecutors have had a hard time with the FDLS and with the Jehovah's Witnesses and whoever else has got abusive practices. Okay, I'm rambling now. I'll, oh, I'll no, I, I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, so on your particular, when you were featured on the show, um, you talked about a policy that was basically the ends justify the means. And if somebody were to speak out against Scientology, what's the name of the policy that they can do? Fair game. Yeah, it's called fair, fair game. game. So that I see a lot of that happening now politically, and I see a correlation between um, some fringe religions and some organizations and some of the things that are happening now. So can you tell people what that is all about, the policy? Fair game? Yeah. Fair, fair game basically says that in the in the eyes of Scientology, if you are dealing with someone that is classified as an enemy of Scientology, and that can be anybody from a person with critical thoughts or someone that speaks to the media or someone that reports something to the police or law enforcement, 
that those people are outside of the the scope of uh, decency, that they can be tricked, they can be lied to, they can be cheated, they can be abused, they can, and it's a sort of uh, Scientologists are expected to do what they can to seek to destroy the enemies of Scientology because Scientology, like other fundamentalist religions, believes that they have the only route to save mankind. Save you, Susie. Save everybody that's listening to this. Save anybody anywhere. And that because of that, it's so important that Scientology survive and flourish and reach new converts that anything is justified if it is viewed through the eyes of Scientology as being a hindrance to that. And you, uh, in your role in the Sea Org for a while, were, were practicing that policy towards others, right? Yes. I, I mean, to, to, one extent or another, to one extent or another, Susie, every Scientologist practices that. But I was the king. <laughs> I, I was like the, the, you know, the king of, of dealing with people who were critical of Scientology or who spoke against it or had sued the church or anything like that. That was my zone of activity when I was in Scientology. So, yeah, I'm really experienced at this. And so now you obviously are the victim of it because you're seen as a, a hostile person towards the church and the organization. Um, and when you were describing your relationship with David Miscevich, who um, has been called the Pope of Scientology, um, you it almost sounded like when a, when people are in a romantic relationship and one of them is abusive and then the other one keeps coming back for more even though they endure all this abuse. Did that feel that way to you? Um, well, I, I sort of cringe at anybody implying that I was in a romantic relationship <laughs> with David Miscavige. No, I, I don't must mean tell you, you guys. Susie, that one, that, that analogy, analogy didn't go over too well at this end of the call. You However, know what I, mean. I, understand, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> well, it, I guess that there are... Uh, I guess that there are uh, similarities to, and I've heard a lot of people say, look, you know, uh, victims of domestic abuse and, and domestic violence are in a similar position to people who get in cults in that they feel that the blame for whatever the horrible things that are happening to them is on them, not on the person that's beating them up. That the that the idea that you that the way out of the problem is to try and please the person that is abusing you, that certainly is present. There, but there is something else in in Scientology that is kind of key to this, which is very very early on and all throughout the the writings of L. Ron Hubbard and and inculcated into everybody in Scientology is the concept that, quote, you are responsible for your own condition, unquote. That means that everything that happens to you that is bad 
is caused by something that you did and generally caused by your failure to properly and appropriately apply Scientology to the situation, that you must look within to find the reason why terrible things are happening to you or bad things are happening to you. And I mean if a tree falls on you while you're walking down the sidewalk, look to yourself to figure out what you have done that caused you to be hit by a tree. If, and, and that mindset is very, very pervasive in Scientology. It's, a, it's almost like a, uh, a foundation of a lot of what Scientology is based on. And there is some truth to that. You know, karma and a lot of other philosophies and religious beliefs have this kind of general concept. You know, do good and good will come and be kind and uh, to others and kindness will flow back to you and that sort of thing. But in Scientology, it's way beyond that. It's very, very strictured and it's very, very uh, uh, hammered in that anything, anything – you get sick, it's because you did something wrong, you associated with the wrong people, you you cut your finger off, it's because you've done something and have evil purposes towards someone, whatever. There is only, there's a million explanations or a million things that you ha- have done to cause such terrible things to happen to you in Scientology. Thus, when you have someone like David Miscavige, and he is beating you or beating someone or you're watching him beat someone up or verbally abuse them or whatever, the thought in your head is, what did I do wrong? How have I caused this to happen? And I understand that that is similar to victims of domestic violence, but it's also a part of the belief system that is hammered into Scientologists. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So whenever, you know, you were having this feeling that you weren't happy with maybe your role in the church or even just the organization in general, and you started to think, you know what, I don't know if this is for me anymore. And you you haven't left yet. Did you share (laughs) that with your family at the time? No. You do not share anything with anybody else when you're in Scientology, particularly not when you're in the C organization. That will result in, you know, instant uh, interrogation. And if you were to share it with your wife, for example, you would be separated from your wife and your wife would start to be interrogated and your children would start to be interrogated. And it sets off a, a sort of cascade of events that are both uh, uncomfortable and unsavory. So you're very careful when you're in Scientology to, to keep your, your negative or critical thoughts to yourself. 
because as soon as you disclose them to anybody else, the likelihood is that they will turn you in. Yeah. Now, there have been certain people, Susie, who have confided in their spouse and had their spouse agree with them uh, and leave at, with them. Like Leah. Yeah, but Leah wasn't in the C organization. Oh, right. I'm talking about in the C organization. Right. You asked me about me, and I'm talking yes. like like you know Ron and Becky Miscavige. They plotted and conspired for months to escape the the hint base, and they obviously talked to one another and managed to avoid right. disclosing to anybody else that they had talked to one another. But they're rare. They're, it, I mean. If you look through the other people that have been on the show, Jeff Hawkins, he left his wife behind and she divorced him. Tom DeVock left his wife behind, she divorced him. I left my wife behind, she divorced me. Mark Headley had to leave his wife behind, but she eventually escaped too. It's that just is the way it is. And you have a lot of of factors that go through your mind when you're deciding, okay, what am I going to do? If I leave, I know, you know, I don't have a job. I don't have any money. I don't have any any uh, any resume. I don't have any friends. Uh, my family is all going to disconnect from me. Everybody I've known my entire life is going to disconnect from me. You are told when you're in Scientology that if you leave like the Sea Org or leave Scientology and go out into what they call the WOG world – it's it's all bad, terrible. You'll probably end up sleeping and living on a park bench, that you'll be a failure, that you may get shot, you'll probably get raped. All sorts of horrible things are gonna happen to you. And so there and then on top of that you have the idea that you believe that Scientology is your eternal spiritual salvation and if you leave they will deny that to you for the rest of your eternity. So there's a lot of factors that go into that decision to finally walk out the door. Mm-hmm. And those things keep a lot of people from publicly departing Scientology. They don't, at this in this day and age, they don't keep so many people from quietly departing. Mm-hmm. Whenever you left, how the heck did you get a job? Um, well, when I left, I got a job selling cars. Oh. And the reason I did that is because when you sell cars, nobody cares what you don't <laughs> have to have a resume. All yeah. they want to know is you're on straight commission. If you can sell, you make money. And if you don't, they don't care right. because they're not paying you anything if you're not selling anything. So. That's what I started doing. Wow, that's so smart. But yeah, your options were limited. Yeah, it's not a really good resume to say, <laughs> yeah, my employment for the last 36 years was the Church of Scientology. Well, right, but it should be because you were so good at it. <laughs> yeah, well. You know, <laughs> they don't listen, though. Maybe. Okay, here's what I don't understand. I am interested in your time in that what you call the hole where you're being yeah. punished during your yeah. time in in the church and you were there for a couple years or more yeah and you cannot leave no ever i mean 
Susie, the truth of the matter is, and, and this is something that Scientology uses, you could leave. You could go fight, literally fight the security guard at the front door and fight and yell and kick and scream, and eventually they would probably let you go. Like Tom DeVock did that. Tom DeVock literally fought and climbed over the fence and, and you know, got into a kicking and screaming match, and then they actually called me, and I came out when he was leaving and said, you know, take your hands off him. Do not – nobody touch him, you, you know, because that's, a, that's false imprisonment. Once you start putting your hands on people to hang on to them, it's assault. I mean, whatever. So you could, but that's not your mindset. I mean, mm-hmm. the reason why going clear is called and cleverly and appropriately subtitled the prison of belief is because Lawrence Wright, through all the interviews that he did and all the people that he spoke to, really understood that the bars that that hold people in Scientology are not the physical bars, but the mental ones. And yes, in the hole, there were bars on the windows. In the hole, there was a guard at the door. In the hole, there was like 50 other people that if you got up at, at, to take a pee in the middle of the night, would be watching you to make sure that you weren't you know, trying to escape through a, a hole in the ceiling or something. But that actually is not the real issue of what keeps people in circumstances like that. Um, it's that you believe, like I said before, if you, if you're going to leave, you're going to lose your family. You're going to lose your friends. You're going to lose your eternity. What are you going to do? You don't have a resume, no money, blah, 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 blah. What do you feel is, um, the biggest misconception about the, the organization that maybe is being changed now? That they um actually have any uh good works that they are engaged in i mean the church spends a lot of time and money trying to persuade its members first and then you know like local officials and that sort of stuff that it does all sorts of good stuff in the world right it does not and Actually, next week's show addresses this. Um, I think that that is the biggest misconception. You know, Scientology does a great, huge works for human rights and educating people, the world on human rights. It's, you know, keeping people off drugs. It's improving education all over the world. It's doing all of these things that uh, are offered up as this is what we do that is our redeeming qualities because you may have heard all the crappy stuff about us, but look, we do a lot of good stuff too. That stuff is old PR. It's like smoke and mirrors. It's videos. It's, it's uh, gather together a few people to pretend that they're doing something and take a video of it and then turn it into a, a, you know, a CGI lavish production of – here is all the wonders that we're doing and take credit for, you know, they, they, they do these nutty things. They say, <laughs> they say, oh, yeah, well, we distributed The Way to Happiness in Colombia and we, yeah, we gave out 50,000 copies of The Way to Happiness. The next thing you know, they're claiming credit for the FARC uh, 
you know, uh, peace treaty or <laughs> that that 90 percent of, uh, you know, there was been a reduction of 90 percent of of cocaine shipments out of Colombia or some weird stat that they get from some fake news source that they then, you know, gin up and, and promote as look at these incredible things. The odd thing about it is if you really look at what they say they're doing, it's never anywhere that you can verify anything. Mm-hmm. It's never it's never happening in Southern California <laughs> where the largest concentration or the biggest number of Scientologists and the largest number of Scientology churches are. There's absolutely zero flatline impact and and change in the world as a result of Scientology in Los Angeles. Right. I mean, you live there, Susie. Do you ever <laughs> see anything? Anything. Nothing. It's nothing. Yet, somehow or other, it's happening in, you know, Sierra Leone and uh, Bangladesh and uh, or the the closest they might come to is, you know, there was a there was a, a tornado in Oklahoma, and you know we had all these guys out there helping, and you know there's no church of Scientology in Oklahoma at all, but <laughs> they, it just so happens that they had people there in Oklahoma. But when when the shit's going down in LA, they're nowhere to be seen, or New York, or anywhere else, and so. It's this illusion that is created, and it's primarily for the internal Scientology public mm-hmm. to keep them believing that Scientology is actually changing the world. Because if they didn't believe that David Miscavige was leading Scientology through this golden age of massive international expansion and acclaim, they would probably stop handing over money. Right. Because this is why they hand over all the money that they hand over. So I think that's the biggest misconception. The other thing, the other misconception, Susie, honestly, is that people think that everybody who is in Scientology is stupid. Right. That they're all dupes, that it would never be someone like them. The truth of the matter is that the vast majority of people who are in Scientology are in Scientology because they truly believe that they have found a way of helping other people. It's not even so much helping themselves. It's because they believe that they are there doing good for humanity and doing good for everyone. And that's why these videos are all, you know, this bullshit PR that that they get sold is so important. And Leah even talks about this on the show, and she's mentioned it a couple of times. You know, if I start doubting what, you know, anything about the church, and I look around and I go, I go to one of these events, and they're telling me, well, we've just saved all these children in in Nigeria, and we've done this, and we've done that. Like, I feel bad. Like, oh, my God, how could I be doubting this when we're doing all this good stuff? And yeah, maybe it's not perfect, but there's all these good things happening all over the world. But that comes from a place of a person who is motivated by doing good. It, you, it, you don't appeal to someone with that sort of thing if they're not motivated by doing good for others. Right. And and that is what Scientologists generally are. They're motivated to do good, to help other people. Maybe they're 
somewhat gullible because of that. Maybe that that goes hand in hand. That in all, if that's your motivation in life, you tend to be somewhat uh, uncritical of the motivation of others, or you know, always looking for the good thing or whatever. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe that's true. But I really do think it's a it's a big misconception that people have that Scientologists are just a bunch of nutters. Right. And that's part of why I'm so grateful for the show, because I think in general, it's good for people to see that, you know, we're all kind of the same. And, you know, whatever it is that you happen to be involved with, there could be the same stuff going on. And it's. I think it's so important, the work that you guys are doing. So I'm grateful because it's gotten a lot of people talking. And I think that's part of the way that we can undo the damage, hopefully. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Susie. Yeah, I'm really hopeful. And, and I'm hopeful on the big scale. And then for you personally, I mean, you know, you have kids that won't talk to you. And I don't know whether they believe the stuff they say about you and things, but... It, I hope that there's a happy ending to the story. I'm sure you Me do. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> right. And we don't yeah, know. We much. don't know. I mean, do you? are you getting threats right now, or, or have they backed off of you? Not your family. I mean, like the organization. Um, no. They, they they're tend over to, you. They're, well, they're kind of over me um, <laughs> because every time they do one of those stupid things, I manage to take a video of it, and right. then I'll put it on <laughs> – on my blog or on YouTube or ends up on the TV show. And so I think that they're kind of worried about that these days. Yeah. Um, I, you know, but there's, there's some stuff in upcoming episodes. They haven't, this leopard cannot change its spots. Yeah. I mean, it can, can become more uh, timid or it can become more rare and, you know, only come out at night and not in the day or, you know, be less obvious and less visible. But it's always going to be the same leopard. Right. It's never going – because what they, what, what they do is dictated by what L. Ron Hubbard wrote. Mm. And you can't change what L. Ron Hubbard wrote now because he's dead. Right. So they're stuck. They're stuck with the with, uh, – the antiquated and and they would be quaint if they weren't so evil writings of L. Ron Hubbard that that lay out how you deal with enemies of Scientology and you know me and Leah Remini are obviously you know public enemy number one and number two <laughs> so that's uh, that just kind of comes with comes with the territory well i mean and it's evidence that you're you're a problem to them which is good news for you know the rest of us i think <laughs> yeah well thank you yeah good job mike but um <laughs> yes anything else you want to add before i let you off the hook no i i always enjoy talking to you Susie, because you have a you have a perspective that i find refreshing and interesting and engaging so Thanks. you know We'll, you know, we'll get back together again sooner or later, but nothing else I can think of right now. Well, thank you so much. I know our listeners are going to be excited because they're constantly asking me about you and Scientology and religion. So you're doing a public service as usual. <laughs> well, thank you. 
Thank you, Mike. Keep up the good work and have a happy holiday. You too, Susie. Take care. Bye. Bye. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.